to Matthew, the 13th chapter. Matthew chapter 13, and we'll begin at verse number one. Um, if you don't have a Bible, I'll be putting these verses on the screen as well. Amen. Matthew chapter 13 and verse number one. Praise God. I said at the beginning of the service, I'll say it again uh, now. Thank you so much for being here today. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's an honor to our Father when we assemble together as His children. It's something that's very precious to His heart. Um, we were teaching last week on some things about the company we keep and how the company we keep uh, impacts and influences us. Um, the Bible says if you walk with wise men, you'll be wise. Amen. And uh, this room is filled with wise men and wise women. It was a wise thing to come to church this morning. Amen. So you're in good company. But the Bible says that we sharpen one another. And um, there are things that Father can only accomplish in your life within the context of fellowshipping with other people. And so thank you again for uh, being here uh, this morning. Praise God. Matthew chapter 13, I'll begin at verse number one. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea, and great multitudes were gathered together to him so that he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multi multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Verse 7, And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground. Somebody say good ground. Others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? Now if you notice in verse 9, Jesus kind of states the obvious here, but he's stating more than the obvious. He's talking about something that's much deeper than just being able to hear with the, the, the physical or natural ear. He's talking about being able to see, but in a deeper meaning, in a deeper context than just being able to see with the physical eye. And he also is talking about understanding, but he's not just talking about something that is intellectual, that, that, that comes through natural reasoning, but he's talking again about something deeper still. So when Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, we know that as this parable is explained and as Jesus makes some comments in reference to it, that not everyone who heard this parable heard it, okay? <laughs> Again, not everyone who heard this parable heard it. They heard it naturally. They heard it. They could have even perhaps taken notes and memorized it and repeated, but they still haven't heard it. Amen. So again, this depth of hearing, this, could we say, level of hearing that goes beyond the physical and the natural. 
and crosses over into the spiritual and the eternal. Amen. Now, Jesus taught many parables. And the prophet said that Jesus would come and through the tool or the instrument of a parable, he would reveal truth to mankind that had been kept a secret from the foundation of the world. So that means things that Father God knew that would one day be revealed to us that were kept hidden until Jesus came and pulled the covers off of them. Until Jesus came and let the, opened the lid and, and, and revealed and began to present these timeless truths to us in the form of simple stories. Or as I like to say, in the form of comparables. He would teach eternal truth, but would package it in the, in the midst of, wrap it in the midst of a simple story that anyone could hear and understand. Now, this particular parable, Jesus identified in Mark's account of this parable. Mark recorded Jesus saying that this was the parable of all parables. Jesus went on to say that if we did not understand this parable, we would not be able to understand all the other parables that He came to teach us. This is the parable, if you will, that unlocks our ability to understand all the other parables, therefore unlock our ability to understand all the other mysteries of the kingdom. And that's what Jesus referred to these um, uh, truths that had been kept a secret from the foundation of the world. Jesus referred to them as mysteries of the kingdom. That word mystery means a secret, sacred, hidden truth. A secret, sacred, hidden truth. Now, among other things this morning, I want to talk to you about your ability to hear, your ability to listen, and again, not just with the physical ear, but your ability to hear what it is that Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, is trying to breathe into you this morning. Jesus doesn't just talk for people to hear Him audibly, but He speaks to us so that we could hear internally and receive in our inward parts eternal truth that will make an eternal difference in our lives beginning right now. Okay? Now, I was hesitant to use this, but it keeps kind of popping back up in my heart and mind. I don't know if you remember uh, General Norman Schwarzkopf, amen, such a great American, and he presented uh, a speech, I think it was in the form of a, of a press conference slash speech, uh, in his leadership in, in the uh, first uh, Iraqi conflict or war. And, um, and he used an expression, some of you already know, if you remember the speech, he used an expression in, in, in the middle of, of his comments, uh, stuck on stupid. Anybody remember that? Do you remember that? <laughs> I, I personally thought it was kind of refreshing to hear someone speak plainly. Uh, so many times, uh, you know, our politicians uh, tend to, you know, use big words and, and talk in circles. And, and so, uh, you know, it was kind of a breath of fresh air for me personally to, to hear someone speak so, so clearly and plainly. Um, but that phrase, stuck on stupid, 
I don't use it a lot, but, but I remember that. Amen? Um, am I the only one who's ever been stuck on stupid? Amen. Yeah. Um, we, we have a tendency at times to get stuck in life. Um, whether it's stuck on stupid or not, that's between you and the Lord. Amen? But, but we do all have a tendency at times to get stuck in life. Um, and what I mean by stuck in life is, is, is we, we get caught up in, in mindsets and repetitive behaviors and, 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 and they keep producing the same consequences over and over in our lives, which causes us to continue to respond to those consequences in the, in the same old ways, which kind of reproduces those same consequences, which tends to reproduce those same responses. And, and again, we, we, we just get stuck. The Lord asked me a little while ago, he said, don't you want to know what kind of life's on the other side of that wall you keep hitting? Don't you want to know what kind of life is on the other side of that wall that you keep hitting? Amen. And that's just another way of, of communicating this concept of, of, of people getting stuck at certain places in their lives. Another way we could talk about gridlock. If you've, if you've ever been on the interstate, but instead of traveling at 70 miles an hour, you're sitting still like you're in a parking lot. Again, that's because things, there's a log jam somewhere, an accident or, or some kind of construction that's, that's got everything clogged up. And, and, the, and the simple point of that is that you're not moving. You're, you're not moving forward. Again, you're stuck. Amen. Well, as simple as I know how to tell you, Jesus came to unstick us. Amen. Jesus came to, uh, to teach us things and, and to explain to us things, uh, again, these secret, sacred, hidden truths. That, that would move us forward in our lives and, and ultimately would enable us uh, to live our best life, and to live the life that Father God always intended for us to live, the one that He saw us living before we were ever formed in our mother's wombs. And so it's, it's this truth that He came to bring us, this, this information, this wisdom, right? Are you with me? I don't know if we've ever really stopped to consider how much our lives and futures depend upon our ability to listen. Now, I don't want to speak in too drastic or too extreme of terms to you this morning, but I will say this, and I am 100% convinced this is true based upon what the Bible teaches us, right? right? And that is this, there is only so much God can do to help you if you won't listen to Him. Now, the Bible says He makes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. He causes His sun to shine on people who know Him and love Him and on, on people who wave the middle finger of their lives in His face. The Bible says that it's the goodness of God towards mankind that causes a heart to turn and, 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 and turn towards Him and repent. And so, Father God, in His mercy, right, He helps people who don't even believe He exists. In His mercy... He shows kindness to people who show Him no love or kindness or attention whatsoever. So I'm by no means trying to, to say that, that God won't help you if you won't listen to Him because He helps people all the time who refuse to listen to Him, again, who refuse to acknowledge He even exists, much less that it's, that it's His hand in their lives. And they trivialize His mercy. They trivialize angels who, who deliver them and help them by just throwing out things like, you know, believing they're a good driver or talking about how lucky they were in those situations without ever understanding that it was God who was helping them because of His love for them and His desire to see them have better and experience more in their lives. So 
to say that God won't help you if you don't listen to Him is not true. But I believe it is true that there's only so much He can do for you if you refuse to listen. There's only so much help He can offer you if you won't let Him teach you the things that He uh, wants you to know and understand that will enable you to live as He created and intended for you to live. This is why even in the Old Testament, setting us up and preparing our hearts for what He would do for us and reveal to us in the New Testament, that He identified wisdom as the principal thing. That He, he even presents wisdom to us as a person, and we, and we met that person in the form of Jesus, right? Because the Bible says, in Him are all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. But He presents wisdom to us as a person to pursue, as, as, a, as a person to draw to, and as a person to learn from. Amen. And He, he identified wisdom as the principal thing. Uh, principle means more important than all the, all the others. Principle means the one thing you should pursue above everything else. And, and the reason he identified wisdom as, as the principal thing in the Old Testament is because without wisdom, we don't know what to do with all that he's given to us freely. If you, you know, when I first read that wisdom is the principal thing, I remember thinking, wait a second now, you know, does that carry over into the New Testament because is it more important than faith? I mean, faith is pretty important. We've been learning about that on Wednesday nights. And so could we say that, you know, should we not say faith is the principal thing? And, and real quick, the Holy Spirit showed me that every person's been given the measure of faith, Romans 12, 3. So it's not faith that you need, you've been given faith. It's wisdom that you need. You need to know how to use the faith that you've been given to produce the results that only faith will produce in your life. So again, do you see how wisdom is the principal thing? So Jesus came to give us wisdom that had never been made available to humankind before. He came to show us and reveal to us secrets. Amen. And again, He does that within uh, the, the... For some reason, I keep thinking about when we give... Uh, kernel some medicine or something we we wrap it in some cheese you know and 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 he just scarfs down the cheese and the medicine goes down with it and that that again Jesus took this secret sacred hidden truth and in the middle of it he he wrapped it in the in the cheese of a story right not to say his stories were cheesy I'm just saying the cheese of a story right that just making sure you were listening with that comment all right and, and so that when we would sit there and 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 be enthralled in the story listening to the story um, that he would also be able to, to slip into us um, these truths uh, this wisdom uh, that will break us free and enable us to uh, fulfill the purpose and destiny for which we were created now the reason this parable is the parable of all parables or the parable that we must understand to be able to understand all the others is that this parable uh, explains the relationship between the Word of God and the attitude of, of our heart, the attitude of your heart. In other words, Jesus is addressing the condition of a person's heart as it relates to the Word of God. As the heart relates to the Word of God, and he compared that to seed as it relates to the soil. Now, does soil condition have anything to do with what a seed uh, is able to produce? What, what, 
what crop, how much crop, or if anything will be produced from that seed? The answer is absolutely yes. The condition of the soil has everything to do with whether or not a seed will produce its intended results or not. And so Jesus is drawing that comparison. He brought us seed that is incorruptible. There's nothing wrong with the seed that He is presenting to us, right? So the only factor that He wanted to draw our attention to as far as producing results in our lives, right, was the condition or the attitude of our hearts towards His seed or toward His Word. Now, that leads us to this simple statement. The attitude of your heart toward the Word determines whether or not the Word will produce results in your life. The attitude of your heart towards the Word of God determines whether or not the Word will produce results in your life. Your attitude towards it. I want to remind you again that Jesus cannot have a place in your life you have not given to His Word. And His Word cannot have a place in your life you have not given to Him. So Jesus goes on in Matthew 13, let's keep reading here, verse 11. He answered and said to them, remember the question was, why do you speak to them in parables? Jesus gives us the answer. He answered and said to them, because it has been given uh, to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. This is hugely, hugely important here. Jesus said it had been given to them, but to the people at large, it had not been given to them. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken away from him. Now, we've been through these verses a couple of times already, so let me just quickly, for those of you who are new to this study, let me, let me put them on the screen, and I want us to kind of zero in on this for a few moments, all right? Notice that Jesus is saying the ability to understand the secret, secret, hidden truth had been given to the disciples, but that ability had not been given to others. All right? So, amen, for some reason, my, I don't know what's happening. If it's going on back there, sister, but it's going on up here, so we're good. I I'm, I'm blank again, but it's still on the screen. All right, so let me just, Luke 24, 45. Let me get reconnected right here. Praise God. Amen. Everybody good? Everybody patient? Are you blessed? Amen. I love technology. Amen. I'm getting there. Praise Luke 24, 45. It says this, and he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. He opened. That word is used several different ways, translated opened here in the scriptures. And it literally has to do with something that has been locked, something that has been closed or shut down. That, is, that has now been unlocked, that has, has now been opened or opened up, all right? 
So he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 20. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know Him who is true and we are in Him who is true. In His Son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. I know I'm running through a few verses real quick. Let me give you one more. Acts chapter 16 and verse 14. It says, And now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshipped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. Now, I wanted you to see these three verses. Bible, the Bible says, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let a matter be established. So I wanted to show it to you in at least three different places where the Bible says a person or a group of people had their understanding unlocked by God so that they could then see things that they previously could not see. They could hear things, again, not just audibly, physically, but eternally, internally, right? That they could hear that deeper level of meaning and that they could understand those things. So notice, again, in each of these situations, this is, this is something that, that God did for uh, a person or a group of people. Amen. Now, I think we're all on the same page this morning, but look, look, just again, I'm not trying to treat you like third graders, but can we at least all agree that this is something that we need. That this is really important. That our understanding also be unlocked. That we don't just hear but not hear. That we don't just see but never see. That we don't just try to rationalize it with our, with our brains, but that we actually receive it and understand it in our hearts. That, that it literally becomes a part of us. Amen. I believe this is critically important. Because again, I'm not trying to frustrate you this morning. The answers that you need have already been given. Amen. The solutions you're looking for are right here in this room with you this morning. The things that, that you've been beating your head against that wall and, 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 you, and you've been stuck, right? And you're trying to break free from this cycle that's just destroying you. And you, you're like, how in the world do I do this? It's not that God hasn't given us the answers or the solutions that we need to break these things and get unstuck. He has given them to us. The problem is not in... In Him giving us the answers, the problem is in our ability to understand those answers, to hear, to see, to perceive, to understand those answers at a level deep enough inside of us to make that difference in our lives. Again, I'm just trying to use physical things to help you understand what I believe the Holy Spirit's saying to us this morning. And so have you ever had one of those aha moments? One of those, we, we might even call it a light bulb moment. You know, where, where we're like, I, I know I've seen things in the Scriptures before, and, and it's a verse maybe I memorized when I was 13 years old. Now in my 40s or 50s, I'm like, how have I not seen that already? I, I could quote that verse to you. I've preached, uh, there's been times in here recently on this, this latest series on the subject of faith. Man, I'm like, I've, I've preached this for years, and I've never seen this. 
Again, this is the Holy Spirit unlocking our understanding. He's opening up our ability. He's revealing these things to us because the reality of it is this. There, there are things in the Scriptures that you desperately need to see, you desperately need to know and understand that you will never see and you will never understand unless the Lord unlocks your ability to understand them. Amen. All right, let's, let's go back now to Matthew 13, 13. Jesus says this, Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. Now Jesus is going to kind of get down to the, the nitty-gritty here in verse 15. He says, For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. Now, let's go back to that phrase in verse 15 where he says that the hearts of this people have grown dull. The hearts of this people have grown dull. The first thing that comes to my mind when we think about dull is that the opposite of something being dull would be what? Something that's sharp. Something that's sharpened. And so, when you use a knife, it dulls, it becomes dull over time. And so, there's something that you have to intentionally, deliberately do to keep the knife sharp. Let me say it another way. If you do nothing over time, the knife will become dull. And the more you use it, the more dull it will become. In order to keep it sharp, you have to do what? You have to sharpen it, which is speaking of, of a maintenance. It's, 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 speech, it's speaking again of, a, of an intentional, deliberate act. Amen? Are you with me? So it says, the hearts of this people have grown dull. Because their hearts have grown dull, their ears now have become hard of hearing. In other words, the dull heart is the cause that's producing this effect. The effect is ears are hard of hearing and now the eyes are closed. It's not just that the eyes have, have become blurry, but eventually it goes from heart dull causing the ears to be hard of hearing and that leads literally to just not even wanting to look at it anymore. He didn't say their eyes became blurry, but now the eyes have, have, have closed. In other words, we, we just are turning away from it. Listen, I, I don't mean to say these things to discourage you, and, and I, I promise I don't have any particular person or group of people in mind, but just many people over the years, I've had the opportunity to, to either them be a part of my life, even people who have ministered to me, 
um, as well as, as people that are part of my life that I've had you know, some type of opportunity to speak into their lives. People that have been a part of this church, other places that I've had the, the privilege and honor of serving, right? And, 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 and these people, again, you probably uh, know someone like this as well. The, these were people who, there was a time in their life where they could not get enough of God's Word. They, they, they were here every time the doors were open. They, they were listening to sermons on, on, their, on their, you know, in those days, cassette tapes, you know, then CDs, then podcasts, things of that nature. They, 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 they could not get enough of, of the Word of God. Deliberately, intentionally listening, hearing, setting their hearts upon it. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? But over time, their hearts began to grow dull towards the Word of God. Then they started listening to it less and less. And now they just close their eyes to it. They, 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 in other words, they've turned away from it. Maybe, maybe that's been you in the past. The heart grows dull. The ears become harder and harder of hearing it to the point that, that we don't even want to look at it anymore. It, it's, almost, it, it's, it's, it's almost as if they're now offended by the Word. Think about things in life, and maybe, maybe not so much as an adult, maybe as an adult, but, but especially when you, were, when you were a kid. Things that you closed your eyes to. First time you got on a roller coaster, just close your eyes. Right? What is, close, what is closing the eyes? What, what, are we, what are we trying to do when we close our eyes? We're trying to make something go away. Trying to pretend like or act like it's not there anymore. Dull of hearing, dull of heart, hardness of heart, dull of hearing, now closing eyes to all together. Amen or oh me? Praise God. All right, let's do this. I'm about out of time, but let me just go a little bit further here. You all right? So when it says that the heart has grown dull, grown implies something that happened gradually over time. Am I right about it? Think about what it said. It didn't happen overnight. If something grows dull, it's something that happens gradually over time. Now, here, here is a hard question to answer, but we need to answer it. We need to come to terms with it. Who is at fault? Who is to blame for their heart growing dull? Well, Proverbs 4 and 23 is pretty explicit, right? Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And Lord, what is he saying? He's saying it's your responsibility, it's my responsibility to keep my heart sharp. If I do nothing over time, my heart will become gradually more and more distant from the things of God. It'll become less and less passionate about the things of God. If I don't deliberately, intentionally do what I need to do to keep my heart sharp, to keep my heart tender, to keep my heart soft and sensitive before God, 
by virtue of existing on planet earth and the world that we live in and the things that we're surrounded by, our hearts will become duller and duller, less and less sensitive, harder and harder, more and more calloused. I'm just, again, just using different words that this word uh, uh, means here, uh, towards the things of God. And as that happens, we will hear less and less from the Lord, either understanding as He speaks to us through His written word, but also as He speaks directly to us through His Spirit. Amen? And if we're not careful, we'll come to a place to where we don't even want to see it anymore. We, we don't even want to hear it anymore. Our hearts have become so desensitized to the things that Father God is trying to say and speak into our lives. All right, come on now. If Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, it says this, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you will hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the days of trial in the wilderness. So what is it that hardens our hearts? What hardens our heart is when God speaks to us and we ignore Him. When He speaks to us and we refuse to respond to Him. He says, today if you'll hear His voice, He is speaking to you this morning. And we've got to respond to Him. Because if we do not respond to Him, the powerful Word of God that has the ability to get you and me unstuck from the place we're stuck in this morning, that same Word, right? If, if we don't respond to it, rather than it changing us, it will harden us. Charles Cap said it this way. If you take a ball of wax and set it out in the sun, it'll melt. But if you take a ball of clay and set it in the sun, the same sun that melted the wax will harden the clay. Is the Word of God a hardener or a softener? It's neither a hardener or a softener. It is the almighty Word of God. It is the powerful Word of God. And so it depends upon the condition of your heart. If your heart is wax before Him, the Word of God will melt your heart. But if your heart is clay before Him, the Word of God will harden your heart. Again, the attitude of your heart as it relates to His Word. We harden our own hearts when we do not give the Word of God place in our lives. Hearing but not responding to the Word dulls and hardens the heart. If you won't respond, there will come a day when you can't respond. Because not responding will, will, will gradually over time Harden your heart more and more and more. Amen. Singers, musicians, come on, praise God. I know we've got our communion service, so man, there's a lot more here. Are you getting anything out of this? So what are some of these things that we need to do, right? The Bible says when we fellowship with one another, it keeps us sharp. Right? The more isolated we become, the duller we become. The more connected and involved we are, the sharper we become. Hearing and responding, again, keeps our hearts softened before God. 
which translates into our ability to hear. So let me, let me just real quick and then we'll pray, all right? When you see a group of people who were given something that another group of people were not, the first thing we think is that's not fair. Well, he's playing favorites because that's the world we live in. We live in a world that's not fair. We live in a world that shows favoritism. We live in a world that, that, that gives things to people they don't deserve and refuses to give other things to people who do deserve. That's the world we live in. But do not let that mindset from the world translate over into you're trying to understand the Word of God. If Jesus gave something to one group of people that He had not yet given to another group of people, there's a, there's a reason. There's, the reason... There's, there's an explanation, right? There's a reason why He gave it to one and didn't give it to the other. And because He's a whosoever will God, if the group that has not yet been given these things, if they will simply do what the other group has, He'll give it to them as well. So what did these men do? What did these women do in order for Him to give to them the ability to understand the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven? They gave him and they gave his word place in their lives. What's this whole parable about? Attitude of our heart as it relates to his words. Amen? All right, let me pray for you. Father, thank you this morning. Men, if you, those who are going to help serve communion, if you would come, please, as I pray. Father, thank you this morning for this time together. Father, again, we ask that you give us the ability to understand your word, that you unlock our understanding to receive, Lord, what it is that you have to say to us today. And Father, that we would be swift to hear it and swift to respond to it, Father, and not be a participant in the hardening of our own hearts. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in the lives of these men and women. And Lord, even, even those this morning that, that are stuck, Lord, I thank you that you're helping us break free and move forward in meaningful ways. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. They're going to begin to serve uh, communion this morning. If you're a guest with us, we would love for you to enjoy communion together with us. If you're a member of the body of Christ, you're a member of the, of the body of Christ, the church of God, amen, uh, as, as he referred to in Ephesians. Um, so please partake with us. If you were served first, if you would, please hold your emblems until everyone has been served.